0: Hey there, listener, just wanted to say a quick thank you. We've seen a pretty good bump in our downloads in recent weeks, thanks to everyone who is listening and sharing our wacky little song story world around, and not to be pushy, but if you can take a moment to give us a rating on iTunes, it really helps us out a lot, and secondly, if you're in the Fort Myers area and listening to this on launch day, that's Friday, April 26th, you should totally head downtown tomorrow, because this week's guest's band Rosaline is playing at the Smoke on the Water Music Festival. They take the stage at two for about an hour and a half set, and it will be good times, the whole thing will be actually. Anyway, now on to the show.
1: One, two, three...
0: Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast that uses the way music binds itself to our memories on an almost cellular level to bring out the storyteller and our guests. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest today is Caleb Neff. Caleb's a producer, songwriter, and lead singer of the band Rosaline, 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 Rosaline? We'll figure that out during the show. A Southwest Florida native, he began performing at the age of 10 when his mom forced him to get guitar lessons. He's worked on and contributed to hundreds of recordings over the years. He describes himself as a lifelong tone aficionado and says he loves weaving old recording equipment into his process. His home base is Juniper Recording in Cape Coral, but he also uses commercial facilities when needed. He says giving the artists he works with the best of both worlds in terms of sound, feel, and budget. We've had quite a few of the bands Caleb has produced records for on our radio show, Gulf Coast Live, in recent years. And he himself was in this studio accompanying Kate Scales, our super awesome guest on episode 21 of this show, when she was on Gulf Coast Live, and her episode's parting tune was one of the songs from that day that he was playing on. So I guess we've come full circle now. So onward to the song stories. Hey there, Caleb. How's it going?
1: So good, man. Great to be with you.
0: So what's the name of the band? Say it for us. Rosaline. Rosaline. Okay, Well that was one of
1: the things I chose, You got it right? in there. It's one of the options, <laughs> you know. No,
0: I sat down to record it, and I was like, I don't know what it is, so I'm just going to say them all. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, did, you, did you, you say you're a Southwest Florida native? You've been yeah. Cape Coral the whole time? I'm actually from Cape Coral. Wow, that's that, a That's There's a like seven
1: of us, man.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and so
1: what was the musical background of your childhood there in Cape Coral? Um, well, it was terrible, really. I mean, Cape Coral is not really known as a hotbed of culture. So it's getting there. Th- to begin with. But back oh, when you were a kid. It's a totally different thing now. You know, I'm 33, so when I I was growing like there was nothing, yeah. like Pine Island Road was the woods, you yeah, there was nothing, um and then add to that the fact that I was raised in a pretty conservative Christian home, like we only listened to Christian music ah, like okay, in the eighties, though, yeah. like
0: so you know, little striper in there,
1: uh, yeah, Petra, the first <laughs> okay, concert yeah, yeah. I went to was Petra, wow. Yeah. Where and was like, that? Um at a church. You Here know. in town? Like they came um, through. The it was town? at First Assembly in Fort Myers. They used to have all kinds you oh, know. Yeah, Shout out to yeah. First Assembly. They used to have good rock shows. <laughs> for Christian bands. It was probably radical to somebody at the time. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. um so only only uh, church music being played around the house were Christian rock and Christian music.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean my mom is an incredibly gifted musician. She has multiple like music degrees. And um, was the band leader at the church. We went to a church that was doing, like, rock music, okay. you know, in the 80s, early 90s, 90s and stuff like that. But, yeah, part of that whole conservative scene at that time was, like, everything that's not church music is probably evil. Right, <laughs> right.
0: <know>? Was <laughs> that overt or was that just sort of implicit
1: in, um, the, in the messaging you were receiving? Generally, generally overt. I mean, depending who you talk to, but, yeah. When did um, secular music uh, break into your consciousness? Probably m- middle school. Well, I started taking guitar lessons when I was nine, and then it was kind of through that that I, you know, your guitar teacher is like, let's learn this song, and then you start learning about d- different people from their influences and stuff from the songs that you're learning. But I had this really like. Narnia moment in my life maybe like 5th or 6th grade when I discovered a stack of Beatles records oh. in the closet at and your it was, house? at my house like, it like your
0: just, folks were listening to it at night after you went to bed or
1: something <laughs> yes, <laughs> contraband, right? <laughs> I understand. And now I, like look back, I'm like, mom, you knew about good music and you hid it from us, you know, because of the <laughs> because of the terrible influence the Beatles could have had on our lives. You Do know? you have an
0: early musical memory that you can recall? Like if you try to go as far back as
1: possible. Well, honestly, one of my first life memories is of band practice in our living room hmm. because we our, our church didn't have a building. So they would rehearse in our living rooms. So like every Thursday night, they would move all of the furniture out. Yeah. You know, I just remember like these visions of dudes coming in, like moving the couch onto yeah. the porch.
0: Yeah, bringing in some amps and. Literally, yeah.
1: because it's the like 80s, early 90s, dudes are wheeling in like martial stats. Yeah, that's what I'm picturing. And like 15 piece drum sets into my living room. It was bananas. Huh, huh. Um, you
0: were at some point in time a pastor at a church. Yeah. What's the short version for a of a that long story? Time.
1: Okay. Well, uh, for 12 years. Like basically, I started on staff at this church doing music um, in my senior year of high school. Mm hmm which was just wild and, like, a big church. And I started working there. as about 400 people. When I left there, it was, like, 1,000. The Vineyard in Cape Coral. Okay. Great church, wonderful experience. Kept me out of a lot of trouble yeah, in my yeah. 20s. Yeah, those like were it's, it's not a, important years <laughs> it's to be not a, kept on the rail. It's not a bad way to spend your 20s, and it really, I feel like, expanded my soul, I think. And, like, you spend a lot of time going through st- – serious stuff with people, you know, there's weddings and there's funerals and there's like hospital visits and all kinds, saw a lot of the world. Um, After we had our second kid, I have um, two kids, a five-year-old and a four-year-old. And after we had our second, there was just this window where we could make a very gracious, uh, peaceful exit. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was just like the move to make for us to you know, it's all consuming. Being at a growing church is oh, yeah. like being at any other growing business, yeah, where you yeah. just go, there's never gonna be a day without a major thing that I've gotta do right, right now, so.
0: You know, you have that in common, there's some big overlap with you and Richard on that. Yeah, because- Kay- Caleb, yeah. I,
2: was, I was gonna say, we we share very similar lives, because I'm, I'm 36. Uh-huh. Um, I have a six-year-old. I started serving at Next Level in 2002. I played electric guitar for them for five years. I run sound for them now. Um, and I I grew up listening to my parents' music. And then by the time I was old enough to appreciate music, I was a teenage. I was, I was, we were already like doing church all the time. And so we had, a, we had a similar rule in the house. So it wasn't until I found a guitar and started learning that I yeah. had to find other guitar music. Yeah. I had a question for you. Not to pivot too and hard, and then you
1: were led down the dark it path was a dark by path. the guitar. So yeah, so well, <laughs> this is it. I have two questions.
2: One, um, Senelli Popowitz, uh, who yeah. is um, episode seventeen yeah. of this show, um, he had a similar upbringing, and his the first song that he like kind of broke loose on was "Living on a Prayer." <laughs> because because he was able to convince he was able to convince his parents oh yeah my God. yeah his cousins played it for him and he was like i don't know if i'm supposed to listen to that but yeah. then he listened to it and then he told his friends, he's like how can it be that bad what what's the first song you remember being like okay in the house
1: oh man <sighs> I remember, look, I just remember having some of the most ridiculous arguments. Like what that made me think about mm. was like the MC Hammer, like you got to pray. Tag. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, this is Christian. This is good. We get to listen to MC <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, which was a deal? Which was a deal at
1: some point in time where you're like, "Hey, this is a Christian song." It
2: was a compromise.
1: I remember, just like just going through song lyrics and going like, "Oh, there's that. a vaguely Christianese phrase. That means it's okay to the, for this artist." Uh, yeah, it gives you the pass. But I also remember, <laughs> I also remember like when, and this was right around the time that we like got a computer and AOL and like, right? I remember I had gotten an ac CD, mm. right? Not passable at all. No, but you're like you know, I was way into the guitar thing at that point and that was probably like 7th grade 8th grade and I remember my dad one of the most not awesome moments of my young life because I remember my dad sitting at the computer because they had just found out I think I had hid it from him for like oh, a week he was, he was doing, he was
2: yahoo He was just reading the lyrics <laughs> uh-huh.
1: really out loud yeah. to everyone in the living room She was a fast machine Yeah, <laughs> She kept <laughs> I was like Dad, Dad, I get it. You can yeah. have the CD. Please just stop doing
2: this. It's hard to pass Hell's Bells, past Christian parents. Oh, no, dude, some of those
1: lyrics are like, you don't even realize. Yeah. I don't know what those songs are saying. Yeah. They're kind of brutal. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I, I wanted to ask, um, as someone who grew up having to having to mesh rock and guitar rock, like guitar-heavy rock, with kind of that, that rule about, like, it's got to be Christian or Christ, passing is Christian, what is a what is a band from i'll say the 90s that you so like skillet um five iron frenzy like what's a band that you think stands on its own without like the the christian um uh qualifier um so like my answer it's like so for, 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 as an example i i like five iron frenzy i think they're perfectly good if you like ska and ska yeah. curling, then I, I don't think it matters is there a band from back then that you would say is like that was actually good for you musically or did you slough off all of those as soon as you could?
1: Um, oh, I don't know about that. I mean, because I still worked at a church and did music and stuff like that, like I was still, you know, connected in that world for a long time and like wrote some songs that got upstreamed um, on, you know, essentially Christian label releases but as far as from my perspective now, looking back on that, like, who's, who was actually legit on their own terms? Dude, I don't I, – I still think for a 90s thing, like, Petra was pretty cool. Petra, yeah, very cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I was working on this record not that long ago, and a friend of mine got off on just, like, joking about Petra. And, we, like, we were pulling up, you know, Petra music videos, which are hysterical, and we were like, dude – I bet you that we could afford John Schlitt for this record. <laughs> <laughs> and So we probably, sent, absolutely, and we can. We sent out, <laughs> we sent an email to his people, and we're like, "Hey, how much to get John to do some guest vocals on a tune?" Oh. It's not that expensive. So just <laughs> <small alert. laughs> I was It's like I'm still, I'm still chewing on it, and you know oh. he sings in the weirdest YouTube thing with the. Super conservative lawyer that they do, like, um, like really good covers from this rich guy's basement. Do you know what I'm talking about at all?
2: I don't, but I'm, g- I'm about Jay to. Jay
1: Sekulow. There's oh, a g- I
2: know who Jay Sekulow is. Yeah, Jay yeah.
1: Sekulow has a band. He's – and John Schlitt and um, Elefante, the dude who used to be the lead singer from Kansas. Yeah. They both sing in Jay Sekulow's like garage band, (laughs) (laughs) and they put up videos on YouTube, and it's good. Like it's one of those things that's both ironically and non-ironically good at the same time. You're like Jay Sekulow is playing with all these other dudes that are like serious rockers. They look like hired guns, you know, (laughs) but he's like in a suit. And it'll—he'll be like over in the corner playing like congas or something while everyone's <laughs> rocking out. It's like that episode of The Office where Andy starts a band in the yeah, yeah, warehouse. Yeah. Are you? Is this what you pulled up? Yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's—it's hilarious. It's legitimately good, and it's also completely hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Is this it, it, this is the Jay Sekolo band?
2: Yeah, it's it's Jay Sekolo and Friends. <laughs> it it is it's if you uh if you're listening to this and you can throw up in YouTube I'm
1: sorry to bring us down that that rabbit hole. Oh we no, oh, love rabbit holes. I pull that stuff up and laugh about it like all the time. Oh, um, oh my God, it's so fun!
2: Uh, when we get to this first song, I'm gonna run out to my car and grab something. I gotta. We're gonna share later. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, ends. let's
0: go ahead and get to that first song, then. <laughs> How about we get? Uh, okay, we're, we're steering us back onto the rails. All right. Although, sorry, right? Oh no, that's okay. We go where it goes. Um, you want to tell a story? You just want to hear it? Yeah, yeah. let's listen to the song first. Okay, this All is right. uh, "I Feel Fine" by the Beatles from their album Beatles '65, which was actually released
1: at the end of 1964. So where are you going in your head when you hear that? Dude, I'm still trying to figure out how they got that guitar tone.
0: I was, you know, that was going to be my third possible follow-up question, but you went right for when it. When you listen to the live
1: <laughs> version and you're like, okay, that sounds like a guitar, you know. Um, but yeah, that guitar tone sounds like halfway to like a Wurlitzer or yeah. a Rhodes, you know. Um, and I was also thinking about the time that, because uh, that's one of those licks that, like, if I pick up a guitar and I'm just fooling around, uh, that's one of the things that I, I'll just play, you know. I've been in uh, two Beatles tribute bands. Oh, really? <laughs> over the years, yeah. What were they, what were they named? Um, get Back. Okay. And then I've – so, like, that was kind of my thing. And then there's a local band that still plays that I've actually done work with them as a sound guy. And I've done fill-ins um, playing with the band. They're called the Nowhere Band, and they're, they're still around uh, locally but it was with the nowhere band that i realized or somebody showed me that i've been playing that riff l- wrong like my entire <laughs> life it was like right it was really bad cuz it was right before the show and i was like oh okay and you, oh, you want to play it right but you can't like undo oh, yeah. 15 years oh no years i of understand it. right so i just i just played it terrible i tried to play it correctly and then just screwed up the entire show but what's up with that guitar tone it's so good yeah is that the is that your white whale Oh, I don't know. I just think that there's so many of those Abbey Road things that, like, you just won't – you won't have it again because there was some magic between, like, not totally knowing what they were doing, a little bit of figuring it out, Mm -hmm. but figuring it out with the greatest people in the world doing their thing.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, as far as Beatles songs go and you identifying that guitar lick, like the you, who you are now wonders how they accomplished that. At what point did you, you know, go from, I'm listening to the Beatles to how did they pull off the sound of that guitar lick?
1: Yeah, well, I've been making records for 10 or 12 years now. Um, so I've been playing guitar for almost 25 years. Um, it was just forced on me really young, <laughs> um. Yeah, a few years ago when I really got into recording, is when I started to appreciate all the stuff that was happening there at Abbey Road because they were literally inventing all of this stuff. They, they like, they're just okay, we figure we need to figure out how to do this, so somebody build it, you know? Yeah, they had dudes on the third floor just building stuff based huh. on what was needed at Beatles session, so it's really like. An amazing people understand that the Beatles were groundbreaking, but most people don't really understand that, like musicians, every time you use a direct box, the Beatles invented direct boxes. Hmm. Like, there's just so much stuff that Hmm. people—it's massive. There's a book that these two Australian guys did, like a ten-year-long research project, and put out a book called "Recording the Beatles," and it's like $150, something absurd. It's massive. Like I would read it in bed, my legs would go to sleep. Like it comes in a, <laughs> comes in an old box of two inch tape. My wife got it for me for Christmas a few years ago, and it's just unbelievable the amount of stuff. And it's like it, it was like NASA when they were trying to get to the moon, right? Like they were just churning out new developments and then using them on a record within the next few days. Um, did did that kind of
0: make you decide to be or make you just be more adventurous in terms of your recording approaches, you know, kind of seeing that, you know, learning the the, the nuts and bolts of what they were doing. I can see, I watched the video on your website and it seems like you're at a point now you're like, we're going to do it the way I want to do it, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, heck, everybody wants to be...
0: Well, not that I'm saying you're going to do what they did, yeah. but you know what I mean. Everybody Just wants terms to of be a in producer. the Beatles, and then yeah, every yeah.
1: producer wants to be, you know, like George Martin in 1965. <laughs> but, yeah, there's definitely that, like, adventurous thing of... Um, one of the most depressing things to me is hanging out with people that have been doing it for a long time and have become convinced that there is one way to do it. Like, that's so depressing, you know? And I get it. That's kind of a human tendency. You know, we stop being open to new things after a certain point. So that's like I force myself to listen to stuff that's current, even if I don't like it, or having clients that are in a lot of different genres where you're like, okay, I'm only listening to pop country this week. Let's see what I can get it. What can I appreciate out of this? What's good in this? What
0: are you? What do you listen to? And how do you listen to it? What is your like, literally like how CDs streaming Pandora uh, you know like
1: mostly Spotify okay
0: Spotify yeah and like so what's, what's on your spot for like what are you listening to now or is it because of you know who are you producing well now? yeah that's
1: the thing it's really like I'll go from last year I made like three pop country records in a row which I would really never done but it was a serious challenge because those records are hard to make because human beings actually play that stuff and it has to be perfect mm-hmm. as opposed to pop radio where it's like well the computer made it happen yeah. you know Um, So it's like you go from listening to pop country for six solid months, and then I did a bunch of rock records. So I was just like digging up, you know, like – listen to Smashing Pumpkins for like three months and are just going like, God, these records are amazing. They're gorgeous for rock records. you know. So it's just whatever. When I get really tired of all music in the world in general, there's always a Wilco record.
0: Uh, (laughs) There's always uh, a Wilco
1: record that'll uh, make you happy. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, uh, When was the last time you bought music that had a physical form?
1: Um, let's see. It hasn't been that long. Well, vinyl. So, like, I buy vinyl at shows a lot of times.
0: Okay. So you do
1: have a record player. And, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I figured. You gotta but, you have know. vinyl. We put our last Rosaline record on vinyl. And it's hard to remember exactly which one because a lot of what happens is when I play shows with people will like, trade records. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, do you ever make mixtapes or mix CDs?
1: Perhaps did I or do I now?
0: Uh, did you? Oh back in uh, the day, yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. 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 What was uh, what was your philosophy? You know, were you trying to woo people? Were you trying to expose people to <laughs> music you thought was cool? Were oh, you I guess to... a
1: lot of it was just for myself. You know, making mix, ed- mix CDs and tapes because, like, g- growing up, it was still a thing to, like, tape songs off yeah. the radio. Oh, I know. Yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah. oh, my gosh. You'd, m- you'd miss the first 15 seconds yeah. of every song because you're <laughs> Be running, there you're waiting running waiting over like, to the cassette player. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's that's a thing. Um, but yeah, like making mixed CDs by the time that's happening, that's probably like high school world. And then you're like trying to impress people. You're going like, have you heard of dashboard confessional? Exactly. You know?
0: <laughs> yeah. See how cool I am. I yeah. know something about something. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's just talk a little bit about your recording studio. Um, you know, you describe in direct terms, like what are your primary pieces of equipment that you're using?
1: Okay, gear-wise, um, I think microphones are the most important thing in the world. Um, nobody has made a technological development that has changed the essential nature of the way microphones work. So I really, really love old microphones. So if there's one thing that I would harp on that I still get excited about, because after a while, you know, it's like gear is gear. We're doing work. You, you kind of lose the mystique of some, of right. some things. But well, I just bought an RCA44 ribbon mic that is on its way back to me getting reconditioned by these dudes in California. And this mic was made in 1936. Richard just looked over your shoulder and went, oh. Oh, Yeah, it sounds so good. (laughs) Just think about. I mean, they made this mic in 1936, you know. Um, so I'll, you
0: haven't used it yet since it had to be
1: reconditioned? No, yeah, it had to be re-ribboned. My, my, my current, like, bling microphone, which always probably will be the case, is I have a late 60s um, U87, a Neumann U87. Um, they're probably the most common, well-known, like, if you see an expensive studio microphone in a music video, it's probably a U87. Um but the really cool thing is the old ones like a lot of things like a lot of gear the old ones are just glorious hmm. they were bought out by a larger company in like 86 or 87 they made some changes and the new ones aren't any good in my opinion so you got you find a good old one and you just like you know you hold on to it
0: and then that's going into a board yeah, what, what is that board? I have a Trident, Okay, which is a British How uh, company. How old is that? Is that a modern?
1: Um, It's modern-ish, but it's probably 25 years old. I bought it from a Nashville dude that had made, like, some big and rich records and stuff, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> stuff like that. But it's a killer board, and it's, it's smaller. It's only 16 channels, but I'd never reach the limit of that with, with what I'm doing. And so, like, it's a perfect piece of gear for me. And then I have some really cool, like, outboard things as well i have like a lot of old dynamic mics that aren't really special or nobody would have heard of them but i find the certain thing that i like them on yeah yeah you know like Old Electro Voice microphones mm-hmm. are amazing. Yeah, and yeah, People don't even tell you search them on the internet. Nobody's even heard of them. Yeah, you know? we've
0: got an old one that we that I used to use when I was an intern here. Uh, you know, it's a it's a vocal. Mic, it's a radio. It's an RE50. Oh
1: yeah. Oh yeah 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 yeah. But that was always so the RE20 is a killer mic. Yeah. Right, I use that all the time. It's like a U87, but without being an HD. Um, there. I actually have a. I just got an EV six six six. Right. Mm. Oh, scary. Mm, yeah. But it's like has a weird <laughs> connector that nobody even makes anymore. And it's like even if you get the mic, you can't plug it in or whatever. But oh, I mean, it's a conversation uh, you know, piece now. Oh, <laughs> uh, it looks crazy too. It like it's sixties. It looks space age. But then you plug it in and you like put it on. Okay, uh, like I was putting on guitar amp the other day. Apparently, this is the mic that they used on kick drum on all the early James Brown records. Okay. Okay, that's oh, man. its claim to that is fame around. That's whatever. a cool
2: looking mic. It's got the you little put, port it's got a little port for the mesh. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah.
1: I mean I just like weird looking stuff is cool too. But it sounds killer on guitar amps.
2: So it uh it basically imagine like a micro like a stick microphone like you would hold, like a singer holds, but the black metal go covers the whole thing. So like oh. an, and then and then there's this little window of mesh. So yeah, I can see why you, like you'd hold that. You would put that right in front of the kick. It's real no weird. no bleed.
1: It's weird, but it, it's a oh, weird yeah, looking it's, mic. It's a, like a large diaphragm dynamic, so like it'll work in a lot of places, like an SM7 or an RE20. So so
0: the space that you're in. Um, it it just kind of looks like a room. Yeah. You know? And it doesn't necessarily – I mean, how do, you, how do you deal with, like, like quietness or soundproofing or, like, you know, the kids next door making sounds? Yeah, are they just – that just is part well, of the Well, it's in my process? house. So yeah, yeah. if you
1: come to my house to make a record at some point, my kids are going to make you play hide-and-seek with them. <laughs> and, like, that's just a part of the drill. You know, I – well, we're in a new place, and I don't think I even have any pictures. We just bought a house – like five or six months ago. And so I've been making records there for the last three months. And so like none of the pictures on my website reflect that because I'm busy. But um, so it's a little bit better, but I don't care. You know, Uh, record recording studios are like spaceships sometimes. Like some of the people you see post stuff and I'm just like, Ugh. Like it doesn't. I don't want to make a record on a spaceship. I want to make a record like in grandma's basement. You yeah, know yeah, what yeah, I mean? yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So no, people, I, that resonates with me too. Trust me, absolutely. People so, get intimidated, you know, about the process. So if you walk into a place that's all freaking blinking lights and knobs and intense, you know, like... A board with 200 pots on it. I think people think it's cool and they design it to intimidate you, Hmm. you know? And so I don't like that. Like, I want the first 20 minutes to be, like, in my kitchen, making coffee, chatting about whatever, you know, and just, like, feel like you're just at my house and, oh, there's a few microphones here. Let's do this thing. So I have a lot of nice things, a lot of nice things, but I don't really, like want to present it in an intimidating like Hmm. bling type of scenario Hmm. and I think people have told me that they I know people have told me that they appreciate that and it it does contribute to the process Hmm. being relaxed
0: um karaoke you ever do karaoke? no
1: (laughs) I mean (laughs) no? no no, not that. I, I mean, it could have happened. Have you like, been a in the presence and, of karaoke? Drunk and forgot about it. So um, if you
0: did karaoke, you didn't keep the
1: memory. Is that what yeah, you're saying? There's I a chance. I'd there's really, an outside it's chance. Not, it's not really my thing. I'm not saying I wouldn't <laughs> in the right circumstances. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, what about uh, uh, dancing? Are you a dancer? I am now. I was always one of those people that got made fun of uh, for like not dancing and just because I just wanted to be cool. And I would do whatever if I'm on stage with a band. I'd right. be a maniac. Um, but yeah, now I think just I, I think it's actually like after having kids. I was just about to say there's something about you just don't the, care. Yeah, You're just like whatever, right? I'm, I, I look stupid now. I look stupid every day. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have any
0: particular live musical experiences? Not performing, but going to a show that pops immediately to mind is sort of you know super awesome.
1: Yeah, uh, the first time uh, that I went to a show. Um, with my best friend Rick like a week after my daughter was born so unfortunately my wife couldn't go Rick was the stand-in but we saw Dylan and Wilco Oh wow, together and we got there stupid early so we could be right front like right on the stage leaning on the stage and Wilco's unbelievable. They're the best sounding live band I've yeah. ever heard in my life. I've seen them multiple times now. No matter where you're at in the room, it's like perfect. Yeah. It's bizarrely perfect. You're like, like how are you doing this? Is this, this? tracks? <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah, like, yeah. No, they're just amazing. And then just Dylan. He was on a good night, but it was just seeing Dylan. Yeah. I saw him again. It was terrible. Yeah, was so boring. I've never seen Dylan. I felt like I just,
0: I'm not going to take the chance. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, could, like... you
1: roll the dice, man. I saw him after he put out that like Sinatra covers record. Right record and after three songs it was like barber man everybody was sitting down it was just weird terrible the music wasn't any good and it was like even my, my wife is so was her first time going to see him then and she was like oh it's cool it's dylan after the fourth song i'm like we can go <laughs> <laughs> that's uh yeah uh you know any dylan songs
0: i mean how or how many dylan songs do you know um, let me rephrase that oh uh, dozens
1: yeah, like a do you ever lot. go down
0: the rabbit hole of like, okay, I'm going to learn all the, you know, because he's got some songs that are like,
1: you know, there's like 4,000 words in them. Mm-hmm. Have you, do you got those in your head? No. Okay. No. <laughs> I used to have like all these tunes memorized. So I used to just go do solo gigs all the time without charts. But then, you know, iPads came along and everybody does that now. so, you so you've read really it to... out your brain. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, time for song number two.
1: All right. Uh, uh, what is it? We're going to do When I Paint My Masterpiece. Okay.
0: Do you want to play it? Yeah, let's play it. Okay, I like this. Uh, this is When I Paint My Masterpiece by Bob Dylan, written in 1971, first released by the band, but then later released on Dylan's Greatest Hits, Volume 2, which I think that's where we found it, released uh, later that same year.
1: What story with that one? Mm. Oh, my gosh. It's just such a perfect song, in that. Um, you know, th- what it made me think about that I haven't thought about for a long time is that, um, right about a couple years after I discovered Dylan, cause again, like all this stuff is scary. Like I didn't find Dylan stuff until I was like 21. I was 27. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. I remember I was reading this article in Rolling Stone. And it was just like, Oh, the whatever anniversary of this. And I was like, man, everybody talks about this guy like all the time, mm-hmm. but it's weird because he's not. Like, he doesn't have songs on the radio, so you can avoid him for a long time. You know, like, you can totally have a whole life and not just be like... Only know
0: him by the caricature that people can, you know, yeah. boil him down to in terms of, you know. Rah, rah, rah.
1: So I bought Highway 61 and I was like literally going on a road trip. I bought two Dylan records and I put in Highway 61 and I was like, this is horrible. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> this is, this guy does not know how to write a song. All these songs are way too long. There's no, like the choruses are ridiculous. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like all that's just like, this guy's terrible. Word salad. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I don't get it at all. Like I think people just think this is cool because it's different. Like, you know, one of those type of things. It and it so it wasn't until I found like this like country rock Dylan that I was like, "Oh crap. What about Blood on the Tracks?" That's a song. Well, yeah. That ended up probably being my favorite. That's Dylan the one record. I've listened to 99% of my Dylan consumption is that one record. It's, uh, it's pretty amazing. But I also really love, probably equally with Blood on the Tracks, like Time Out of Mind. Yeah. Time Out of Mind and Oh Mercy, the Daniel Lanois records that he did are just, like, unbelievable. Hmm. In fact, it, it was probably um, – it was Time Out of Mind that, like, flipped the switch. Where I was like, oh, okay. This I can get into and then kind of backed into the rest of the catalog. But I remember this song. Um, <laughs> this is what made me think of – is for a minute I was convinced that I was gonna do like a Dylan Covers record just as a passion project and probably one of the only things I did was record this song like four times oh yeah because it was just never good enough I'd go back and like I'm gonna start over you still got those on a hard drive somewhere yeah find them send us the best one probably terrible we'll use it as a parting tune of this show
0: I'm not kidding
1: Oh, and so that's why you picked that song of all of them? I think this song is my favorite Dylan song and I, it's this is the song that if like we're at the party uh and somebody hands me the guitar and goes like play something, I'm probably playing this. This
2: is your wonderwall.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I just love this song, man. It's like it kind of to me sits in with like my back pages that tune of like it seems like a song of reflection. Yeah. And it's at a turning point, like, in his life of being this massive thing yeah. in the 60s and then hiding out with the band and making that record and hiding and all this. And, like, uh, to me, it's this song where he's figuring out how to um, say some things about, like, longing and but keeping it kind of ob- obscured. Yeah. Well, yeah,
0: that's – that's how he as rolls he does yeah um but you know it's interesting that you just said that what it made me think of is you know by then this is 71 he had you know he had been sort of acclaimed as this new like 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 he was already making masterpieces uh, yeah everybody and then would say he's that, yeah. saying you know hey man i haven't even gotten to my masterpiece yet you know what i mean so, Yeah. Like, cuz he did he he poked it, he poked uh people's in the eyes with some of his songs you know what i sure. mean like yeah so
1: yeah and Yeah, of course, anybody would say that his output, if he had stopped at that point, he would be still maybe the greatest song. It's him and Lennon and McCartney for for the – 20th century
0: right you know Uh, and like I told you before the show so I was introduced to Dylan later in life by a girlfriend who was really into him and so that song for whatever reason like if I hear that song like I can remember walking with her downtown having just listened to Dylan in the car and I don't know why but that song always takes me back to downtown to Mm. Port Myers Centennial Park 1999 there you have it that's how it works um are you a singer around the house? And I don't mean like into a microphone. I just mean like, you know, making your kids,
1: you know, uncomfortable. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> Being dude. a dad. We write, my kids are super musical. They, just like me. You said something
0: up. in the th- on the thing about they don't realize it yet, but it's just all practice for the yeah. family band. Uh-huh, like they're already uh-huh. in it, but they oh like yeah. don't know it yet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the dude. Neff
2: Partridge family.
1: Oh, for sure. And my daughter, first of all, I am already in my life, I think I am most famous as my daughter's guitar player we did a John Prine song like just fooling around in the house and my wife filmed it and then Prine shared it on his Facebook page and we ended up getting like half a million views or something like this. So I'm like, cool. So now I'm most famous as my daughter's backup and at that time she was three. <laughs> it's all downhill from
0: here, Caleb. <laughs> I'm like, you some, peaked
1: early. <laughs> at some point I'm certainly going to be working for her. She's completely unafraid of everything and always wants to get, she gets mad. If she goes to one of my shows she gets mad that she doesn't get a turn. <laughs> and she's, she's how old? Five? She's five now. But yeah, she'll be like, all right, when's my turn? She literally got up. I was playing a show. First show she came to, I think she was three. And my wife had to grab her off the stage a couple of times because like in between songs, she'd be like, certainly it's my turn now. And yeah, just yeah. walk.
0: <laughs> oh, man. So she's not going to have any stage fright, that's for sure.
1: No, <laughs> not at all. So we write songs around the house and like silly stuff all the time. One of our recent hits is You Can't Hit People With Shoes. I don't you know a real uh, life. It's just songs about real life experience. For, for a second, I was like,
0: "Who's saying that?" But I was,
2: like,
1: I am not familiar with that track.
2: Yeah. Caleb, killed, can I play a little bit of that video? I've got it here with your daughter, and is that your son on drums?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, He's, yes, sort of. He's yes in the video. I'm just uh, I'm trying. How to... did you find that? You're
2: That's quick. That's my job. Oh. The internet. So she's in a 2 And then she's going to tell me when
1: it's my turn and when it's her turn to sing. Oh,
2: your daughter does that too? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's so great! She's got this tiny pink guitar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: that's They're excellent, man. She
1: told me a couple weeks ago, I Dad, I think there's a place for me in Rosaline. <laughs> <laughs> where, um where does Rosaline play? Like,
0: where could somebody catch you around um, town? Are you our are next you currently... thing coming
1: up is we're playing that Smoke on the Water festival? Yeah, at Centennial Park mm-hmm. then in a couple weeks. So, um, we don't have any regular, like, it's hard because we don't have like regular bar gigs or anything like that because we're not really that type of band. We play almost exclusively originals, not excl but you know, almost exclusively originals. Um, so, like, that's the challenge, especially in this area, is just hanging out and waiting for good gigs mm-hmm. to play. Um, but actually, you know, I think in that department that we've been lucky. Um. people act like there's not anything going on around here and there's a lot more than a lot of people realize. What's your uh, ratio of of original to cover in Roseline? Uh, It depends on the show. But like at the most, it's 70 – like at the most for covers, it might be 25%. Okay,
0: okay. And you are covering whom? Oh,
1: and those are going to, that's the thing. And those are going to be covers that nobody's even going to know. Like, we play a couple unrecognizable Prine tunes and a couple unrecognizable Dylan tunes. And like, you know, um, and it's sort of like the Black Crow's playing John Prine. Like, it's not, even if you knew the song, understood, it be super understood. recognizable. <laughs> do you ever uh, do you
0: ever come across Dan Byrne in your in your musical?
1: Oh,
2: trail? you beat me to it.
1: Oh, were you the, you
2: heading was, there, Richard? No, I, beat I was just going to tell him that I think Caleb is in the club of people we have to tell. Yeah, about yeah. Dan. I will
0: send you. Um, I will send you some okay. music. He's a singer songwriter. He, you know, I think he's. I think he's like a great American poet and oh. he's totally on his own. He just travels around in an RV and plays gigs and makes his own albums mm-hmm. and doesn't want to be on a record label and he's written probably 300 songs and as a maker of music and as a songwriter, you'll, you'll dig him. I think. Awesome. Um, do you have any TV theme songs committed to memory? And if so, would you sing it first, please?
1: <laughs> <laughs> TV theme songs? Um, I, I could hum the office theme let's bring it come on I mean that's why is that what comes to mind I had to dig back into uh, grand condition this day and age to read, read any, any good news, news, on news, news. news I'm fuzzy on the lyrics but I can hear the whole tune love and tradition a grand design <laughs> some, some people. people say it's even harder to find right yep well, then there must
2: be some... You know that one? I don't. That's he Family died. Family He's Matters, dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That was popular during a time when I wasn't really watching much TV. Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: so there you go. There's me in a nutshell.
0: Okay. But, uh, uh, do you have a favorite movie <laughs>
1: musical and Broadway oh, musical? Oh, hell yeah. And it's the same answer. Okay. Newsies. Oh, okay. Oh, dude, my daughter's totally into that Newsies right now. Newsies is amazing. My wife and I saw it on Broadway a couple years ago. We were just in New York City two weeks ago last week, two weeks ago, and saw Chicago, which was also amazing. Um, But unfortunately, we were stuck uh, going to a a show with some family members that were Apparently not that into musical theater. They're like falling asleep. I'm like, we're on the intermission. I was like, gosh, isn't this amazing? They're like, I don't know, man. Like, Maybe we we'll go, we'll go to can the we bar go to the opera whatever. next? <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. I love Newsies. Newsies was that song. Like, oh my gosh, how old was I? I was really young when like the the movie um, came out, and it was like the movie at our house. Like me and my brother and the neighborhood kids would like run around the neighborhood with like our you know. Wood Swords being jack and crutchy and like, <laughs> dude, that's a serious movie too. Like it, or, you know, there's some serious themes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um Are there any modern mainstream super popular bands that you are into? Oh
1: God. Um, um That's so hard because they're just kind of like all in this. Pull something out of the soup of, of like genre. I mean, mainstream, that narrows it down. I don't want to say no because I don't think I'm one of those people that's like, oh, modern music is terrible. Um, but yeah, I don't know if there's anything... That I care about like when someone's record comes out I'm like, oh, unless it's <laughs> an older person. Like I still think the Foo Fighters are cool. I don't know if that's te- that's embarrassing even like because it's not a modern reference. Um, but they still have songs on the radio. Yeah.
0: That's okay. It's okay. It's hard. I, I, I certainly don't have any. Um, And you haven't had this happen probably yet, but your, your kids are going to get to this age where suddenly they just somehow magically know all the words yeah. to the popular songs. Yeah. It's yeah. like, where did you – how did you – it's just they beam it into them or something. So yeah, you'll see. Oh, you know
1: what? I think Lady Gaga is a badass. <laughs> That's too. my one answer. Thank you. Yeah, I don't. I'm not into the movie thing like everybody else. I still. I like, didn't even see it. Yet. I don't get it. Um, like I, I listen to the soundtrack. Everyone's crying, and I'm like, I, I don't know. It's fine. But anyways, she's. She's awesome, undeniably. I,
0: two, three, four years ago, I went down the YouTube rabbit hole with her when she was back in college, like being Stephanie Columbini. Really? playing. If you don't know this, there's like a video of her like at a NYU talent show when she was 19 playing the piano. Original songs back to back. And you're just like, who the are you? And then you do the math to, like, you know, I'm wearing meat and I'm flying around at the Super Bowl. And you're like, oh, you're way cooler than, Mm. like, I thought. So Mm. I'll send you a link to that, too. Wow, that's cool. Um, Okay, it's time for your last song. Okay. We'll just play it. We'll We'll just play it. it. All right. uh, Let's just play it. We'll introduce it afterwards, Richard. How's that? I like it. Here we go. That was Josephine by the Wallflowers from their 1996 album "Bringing Down
1: the Horse." Where and when does that take you? Uh, so many places because I loved that record when it came out and it was popular. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I rediscovered it like five years later just because I had you know back when you used to own CDs, yeah. it was like on a road trip and put it on, and I was like, oh my. God, this record is amazing. Like, yeah. I just remember, like, One Headlight, it's cool. And, right, right. You know, I think a lot of people had that CD. And then you go, like, I think this is actually, like, just an amazing record. Uh-huh. It always is my road trip record, um, and just start to finish. But what I think about <laughs> with that song a lot is that I played that when I was in college for my songwriting class. It was, like, play your favorite song. And mm-hmm. I played that. And everybody, I just remember everyone, like, one of those seared into your memory as like an embarrassing in front yeah. of a group and i thought am i wrong am i wrong <laughs> there's like everybody was looking at me like they felt sorry for me after i right. played that song oh, i was like oh it's okay caleb and it was like awkwardly silent i was like no like at this point in my life i'm like that's the best song that's ever been written fight me i don't care Was that, <laughs> like, was that so in this, good was, was
0: that in the window of when it was still getting a lot of airplay
1: no, no no this was like that record came out in 96 so i would have been like 10 or 11 okay yeah Dude, it's a perfect record.
0: I – you know, it's funny. I – I, probably – it's probably in my top ten of most listened to records of all time. But I haven't listened to it in years. Like it hasn't even crossed my consciousness. So when I went to pull up the songs for this, I was like, oh my god, I have to go back and listen to that song, that album again because – I listened to it a lot for you know a couple of years there, um, and I, I can't even remember any more of the songs on it right now. But I guarantee if I put it in and played it, I would be able to sing every song. And they the had through. like
1: four really big hits right, off of right. that one record. And that's that's Jacob Dylan, right? Yeah, that's Bob yeah, yeah, Dylan's yeah. kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is he still making music? Yeah. In fact, I just saw him earlier this year. He uh, played a show in town. They were really? unbelievable. In town, where? Yeah. Like where were at the venue? Were... Um, Southwest Florida Performing Arts oh, Center. Oh, the Bonita Springs. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Hmm. Yeah, I saw him in. Um,
0: he was a Bonnaroo, I think, one year when I was up there, so I got to see him. They were, were really
1: them. good. And have you heard any of his solo records? No, I haven't he, heard anything. He did a solo record with Rick Rubin, and he did a solo huh. record with T-Bone Burnett, who produced Bringing Down the Horse. One of the m- most wonderful things about Bringing Down the Horse and why it won't ever happen again is because T-Bone Burnett produced that record before he was a big deal. Like, he's a really big deal now after the old oh brother Where Art Thou went up Bazooka Platinum or whatever. And now every record that he makes sounds exactly the same, which is cool. But it's just like he has this one thing that he does with all these different artists. And right. if you work with T Bone, he's bringing in all of his musicians and his people, and they're gonna mix it, and all and every they all sound like the fifties, and it's very cool. Like that Robert Plant, Allison Krauss record that won a bajillion Grammys. Like right, he, he right. can do whatever he wants. But this is before he was a super big deal. So they produced it like with this intent that it was gonna be this modern pop folk album or whatever and then Tom Lord Algy who's like mixed a bunch of like Green Day stuff and it was like mostly mixes rock radio. Okay. They recorded this really rustic record and then sent it to a dude who mixes like pop, rock, super polished stuff. Hmm. So like on every level, like the songs are perfect. It was in that period the Wallflowers had put out one record and it flopped. So he was, like, really, like, gunning hard to, like, prove himself. Yeah. Right? So it's, like, the best material of his life with this moment where T-Bone Burnett's never going to do that again. He's never going to hand a record off to somebody else to let them do a completely different thing with it. Right, 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 right. And apparently there's versions out there, um, like, not on the internet, but the cool people have heard versions of One Headlight that don't sound anything like the version on the radio. because they. Sent him one thing and then out the other end came, you know, a different Hmm. thing the way he, you know, mixed it or whatever. So it's a perfect record. But that song is like, it's unbelievably gorgeous. And like the, just the words, like John Prime wording. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, we put tangerine in a song. Of course we did. I know, (laughs) I (laughs) know. Because uh, it rhymes with
0: Josephine. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Um, you know, I'm I'm plotting for this summer. I'm going to take what I'm considering an analog road trip. I'm going to okay. take a road trip because back in the 90s, I used to travel a lot. You know, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have cell phones. You know, you, yeah. got, you got in the car, you drove, you had some CDs, you mm-hmm. had the radio, and you made it work. And I'm going to do that. And this is going to have to be one of the CDs wow. that I put together because I'm going to just listen to a whole bunch of music. And some NPR, you know, when it's available on the on, uh, the, on the radio dial as I tool like, through the
1: yeah. country. The songs are perfect. The production is perfect. The mix is perfect. Like the time that I hear this um, record come up a lot and people talk about the best sounding rock records of all time. Like people are just on the sonic side of things. Right, right, It gets right. referenced a lot. Hmm. Are there any other albums that are on that short list of perfect for you? Um, yeah, I think everybody agrees that back in black is a perfect, like there's a couple Mutt Lang produced records, like, um, back in black and hysteria is another one that's like, even if you don't care about ACDC or Def Leppard, they're just like kind of objectively sonically, you know, perfect. So that's, um, you know, back in black gets referenced for me for rock records just cause it's perfect that record. And then like, I mean, not rock records, but like, there's a bunch of other records, like there's. D'Angelo's Voodoo gets referenced all the time because it's perfect. And like John Mayer's Continuum, I reference a lot because it's just like, you know, records that are just like, how'd they do that? Right, right. Um, if you could stand on stage and perform with someone,
0: uh, living or not living anymore, and it can't be John Prime, okay. who would it be?
1: Is it, could it be a, a big,
0: great big, could crowd. it be a
1: band that's not together anymore? Of course. Okay. Black Crows. Oh, okay. I'll do Black Crows huh. in like 95. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. wow. Okay. We don't need to know why, but why? They're just an amazing, (laughs) incredible live band. Yeah, yeah. They're smoking players. Like, I love that band, you know? Somewhere between the Wallflowers and the Black Crows is what we're trying to rip off in Rosaline. Okay. That 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 was going to be my next question. Um, So, man, I can't play guitar well enough to hang with the Black Crows, but, like, it's just – it's going to be a smoking show. If you get to pick one show – I don't want to pick like some chill acoustic thing. Yeah, something that's going to be all out. Yeah, I want to like, I want to roll around a little bit. It's either going to be that (laughs) or like 2004 Velvet Revolver. (laughs) Like somewhere we're going to get to move a little bit, you know what I mean?
2: What about to to run the board for at a, a live concert? Oh. You can mix her for a... I don't know. That seems stressful.
1: (laughs) uh, Whatever show I think Something really simple. Okay. uh, Well, I mean, I might, like, pick, like, Stones in the early 70s or something like that. Because, like, you know, it's not... No one's expecting it to be perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Nirvana. Yeah, yeah. Something like that where it's like, I'm going to have fun doing this rather than stress out that it's not going to be... Whatever, you know.
0: You know, I think this show is going to have the most uh, referenced density, like musical uh, yeah. reference yeah. density throughout it. Of a show so about music. We
2: talk about music, we, we surprisingly. Talk, we, yeah, this
0: one has sparsely. Way, yeah, exactly. Um,
1: what would your 14-year-old self think of who you are today? Oh, who knows. Um, but I think I'm probably doing okay in that perspective. I mean, I, I – sometimes just burst out in laughter when I'm by myself in my recording studio going like I'm getting away with this like Uh sometimes it just all of it comes rushing in that like I have that same experience sometimes Yeah, to do what we do here they're like my problem right now is a bass track (laughs) like (laughs) my my life problem right now is you know a kick a kick drum tone you know like this is absurd like how am I getting away with this life yeah Um,
0: and uh, last question
1: are there any songs that you'll avoid listening to for whatever reason. Um I mean just because they're like uh terrible or or annoying or
0: whether um it gives you a negative memory, it makes you think of something or someone that you don't want to think of, so you turn it off. Or God, that's mixed horribly, or
1: I hate that kind of music.
0: The sky's the limit there.
1: Okay, yeah. On it. Okay, the only song that I can that comes to mind, I think, because you know, there's some tunes that just you turn them off because they're going to get stuck in your head and they're irritating in that way. But a song that drives me crazy because everyone thinks it's good and it's so not good. It's just not a good song. <laughs> there's a few of them, but the first big Ed Sheeran hit,
2: Honey, yeah, well, you love it, yeah. Huh.
1: You're like, there's nothing, there's freaking nothing compelling about this song. <laughs> like, the melody is boring. The lyrics are dumb. The groove is... The, <laughs> the, the lyrics are dumb. The lyrics are dumb. He stole the groove from Marvin Gaye. The production is, it's like, okay, we've gone four bars, uh, throwing a tambourine. Okay. Ching. Ching, okay, we've gone four bars, you know what I mean? Like, that yeah. song is the most robotically produced, like, in the future, if computers... It's an algorithm If computers song. are making music where there's just, like, a preset with, like, put in a new thing every four bars... And then that song, like the dude, <laughs> the dude that produced it, won like producer of the year, like a Grammy or something like that. And I just remember, like, I want to throw my TV away. So I was like, this is so ridiculous. <laughs> like, it's not good on any metric.
0: <laughs> Great answer. Thank you for the comprehensive answer to that question. <laughs> uh, okay, well that is the uh, shoutouts. That is the oh yep oh shout outs, Thank you, Richard. Okay, so we have started a okay, new thing here. End on, on a positive note. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You Harshing suckered me into producers. that one. Sorry. Um, uh, so we're starting a new thing. Uh, you're the second person who's done it. Uh, we want you to uh, to name three people who you think should do this show that you will encourage to listen to your episode and other episodes. Yes. And also come be in our host or our guest chair.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to call out three of my favorite local songwriters. And there's actually a lot. I know some of them that have been on the show already. Um, but Kyle Ann is – a freaking serious, serious songwriter that y'all should have on. Um, Claire uh, from the Free Coasters. Um, Claire is like one of the best singers I've ever worked with and a serious, serious songwriter. And I think like the Free Coasters might be the best band in town, but don't tell anybody outside of all the podcast listeners. <laughs> 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 Somebody do get offended. Uh, but the other, um, and then uh, Ricky Reynoso, who is the most compelling voice like, his voice stops people in their tracks. I've seen it happen numerous times. People will be walking into a room where he's playing and, and they just like uh, g- grandmas with teenagers. And everyone just stops and goes, what is that? Because hmm. his voice is kind of heavenly. All right.
0: You hear that, you three? We'll be in touch.
1: Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts? Um, thank you so much for having me. This has been a, a stupid amount of fun. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, you. <laughs> We make this podcast
0: in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Callaghan is online content producer. Chris Duffis is executive producer. Our theme song was created by Dave, Dave, Dave Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. This week's parting tune comes from
1: Caleb in Fort Myers. Hey, everybody. It's Caleb Neff. Hey, look, something's been really bothering me since the show the other day and I just had to set the record straight. I was really caught off guard with this question about modern artists that I'm into and I just drew a blank and as I was driving home it just hit me. I was so frustrated that I missed my opportunity. Guys, I have been defending Taylor Swift for decades as a legit artist when she first came out. Listen to this song, when you're 15 and somebody tells you they love you, you're gonna believe them. Who writes that song at 17? If that was a Jason Isbell song, everybody would take it seriously. She's been killing it in multiple genres for like a lot of years. I'm sitting here in my studio wearing my Taylor Swift shirt. Thank you to the guys at Three Song Stories for letting me set the record straight. Keep listening.
2: Next time on Three Song Stories.
0: You don't strike me maybe as a karaoke but no, we are surprised sometimes. If you're in the room with me singing, you're, you're going to be trying to get out of that room. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? Or was I yeah. just self-deprecating? I karaoke'd once, and it was uh, a fun experience. Do, was Eric Raddatz involved? <laughs> <laughs> he may <laughs> 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 Yes.